Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I'm your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is Matt. Matt, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's just a lovely, bright, early morning for us. Uh, We're recording the day after the episode dropped, and uh, it is 8, 10 a.m., so (laughs) we got a long, long editing process here for us, uh, leaving plenty of time. Uh, but thank you for being here this morning and uh, getting ready to talk about, I believe, one of our favorite modern superheroes in Ms. Marvel. Yeah. 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 I have many things to say about this show. <laughs> because it is so early, I forgot to look up who our ad spot is for the Brain Trust. Pulling it up now. It is. Oh, cool. So I just recently did an afternoon break with them. So you can definitely check that out along with any of the other ones. Uh, Matt from Decane with the boys was on there too. His story was hilarious. I definitely recommend checking out his afternoon break with the fuck my work life podcast. So we're going to hear from J and K and we'll be right back. Have you ever had a bad day at work? Well, the fuck my work life podcast is perfect for you. Host J and K share listeners entertaining stories from the workplace, which may have you thinking you don't have it so bad after all. Find Fuck My Work Life on your favorite podcast platform. And we are back uh, again. Definitely check out the Fuck My Work Life podcast. Uh, the The name kind of says it all. If I went to Apple Podcasts and search, is it like Fuck My Life podcast or is it like F My Life on Apple Podcasts? I believe it's like F asterisk asterisk okay. K My Work Life. We'll have the link in the description. I hadn't heard of that show and I was like, oh, that's a <laughs> that's a very striking title. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely out there and they, they call their listeners fuckers. So every episode is like, hey, fuckers, how's it going? So it, it's it's great. Uh, I, I love J&K. They're they're hilarious. And uh, it, it's a great outlet for people. I've shared a couple of stories there. We should steal that. Hey, fuckers. <laughs> no, I, I keep trying to think of names for talking smack listeners. Like the only thing that ever comes to mind is like calling them smackheads. I'm like, I don't want to call them drug addicts. I think that's somehow worse than calling them fuckers. Smackies. <laughs> Why are you procrastinating this, Matt? We're trying to talk about Ms. Marvel. You have things to say, you have said. Yet somehow I think you're just stalling me. I just um, I'm just I'm just enjoying the conversation and riffing, taking it where it goes, you know? <laughs> this is the episode where we t- where we figure out our our fan name. Uh, I I mean we, we do need to figure that out just because again, it's always fun to to have a name, even though there's only like a handful of fans. That's because there's no name. <laughs> I would be a fan of this show, but they don't have a name for their fans. If I knew what to call myself, then then I could really be a fan. Yeah. So let, let's dive into this. We have our first live action Muslim superhero. First Marvel's first Muslim superhero in the comics as well. Ms. Marvel Kamala Khan. The series just wrapped uh, from the day we we're recording this yesterday. They released the finale. It was definitely not what I was expecting. It it was definitely part of the origin story, but they they flipped it on us where it was definitely more about family history and what it means to be a part of uh, a Muslim family, uh, an immigrant family. And that was a very welcome change of pace, I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think you're right. And I think, you know, if, if you don't if you're not familiar with the character, Ms. Marvel comes about in the like mid 2010s early 2010s is like sort of the part of the inhumans push that they were doing where so you know she just gets her powers that way as part of the whole thing where now there's a bunch of inhumans and it doesn't really factor into most of her stories it's just like the thing that gives her powers 
And obviously now, like that's a thing that didn't really take off, and it was they were Marvel was kind of doing it because there was all this stuff with the the X Men and mutant film rights where they like wanted something that was sort of a stand in. So now that's that's all resolved, and you know their their attempts to put Inhumans in the MCU with the Inhuman show, which was a rousing success, I might add. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, kind of crashed and burned. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It was a movie that they couldn't get off the ground, and then they made it a TV show that. <laughs> I didn't give like Perlmutter like stole the rights out from under Kevin Feige and made it into a, a TV show, which again was just absolutely fantastic. Strongly recommend it. So the Inhumans are not really a going factor right now, either neither the movies or the comics. So I think they sort of smartly tweaked the origin to, um, yeah, like you said, be more be more in line with like her. Um, her ancestry, ancestry, her family heritage. They're also um, sort of doing their take. It seems like on the Negabands, which is something from like the OG, like pre Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel stuff. So there's there's some interesting stuff there. I do think all that stuff is really great and well observed, but it is paradoxically also like my main sticking point with the show, and we can get into that as we go. I don't want to like start my rants right away, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's, it's weird because it's really good stuff that I like a lot that also when I look at the whole, I'm like, I don't know about this. But, you know, the show is is so fun. Like, Iman Vellani is great. Like, she basically perfectly encapsulates that sort of dorky charm that Kamala Khan has. And, like, you know, when, mm-hmm. when we're in the, the Jersey City episodes, the visual style is just, like, something that I think is sorely needed in the MCU where they hit sort of – there's sort of that – colorful kind of cartoony style where there's like dream sequences and the way they are like are establishing the way, okay, I'm getting a text message. Like how do we visualize that is really sharp and really welcome. The, the first episode, especially I, I was like, Oh, we're getting Marvel's version of Scott Pilgrim with this, which is awesome. Cause it yeah, visually, there's so much really cool stuff like uh, the welcome sign or the open sign in the, the circle Q changes to hello when she gets a text message yeah. from Kamran the first time. And like, there's just so many environmental things that are shown just to kind of give you the narrative. And it was really well done. And it, it really like, not, not to say that it was derivative of Scott Pilgrim. It's a good visual. Comparison. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it it's, it's something that you could be like, Oh, this is like Scott Pilgrim. And you'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm all in on this. Yeah. I have a sense of what that means. Yeah. But I, I agree. Iman Vellani was fantastic as, Kamala, um, I do think that it needed to show a little bit more of her whimsical side. We got some of that with episode one, but then once she gets her powers very much like uh, I'm doing the origin story thing, I have to learn what it means to be a hero and uh, like the the implications of what it means to hide this from my family kind of thing. We didn't get a lot of what really makes Kamala stand out in the comics, in my opinion, which is like she's a World of Warcraft nerd. She's she's a big fangirl of what we got the Carol Danvers thing like her wall is corner to corner covered in Carol Danvers paraphernalia uh which again like does Carol Danvers have a PR agent like is, is this a, a issue in the MCU that is an interesting thing about these shows where like from what we have seen in these movies there's no reason that Captain Marvel should be necessarily like a well-known character right because she's like we don't see everything that's happening. Like we get the sense that there are sometimes off-screen adventures, but 
for for any, all anyone knows, she was involved in like one big public event. <laughs> uh, so it's very and and you get that sometimes too. Where there's like I think it was way back in Wandavision where like characters are discussing in detail like the Vision's life, and it's like, do you know who that is? Like that guy's never been on camera before. <laughs> yeah, and Jimmy Woo is talking with uh, was it Monica and uh. Darcy, where they were like, oh, yeah, Captain Marvel kicked Thanos's ass like we we know the details of this, like Thanos headbutted her and nothing happened. Like, how how do you know these details? Did you see the movie? Yeah, somehow this stuff is getting out, but we are not privy to <laughs> the Avengers are popular enough to have a con at night in a warehouse on an army base. All right. <laughs> no, <cool. laughs> but yeah, I think you're right that the. um yeah, there there are some details that they sort of gloss over in terms of the characterization, but I think the core of it is still there. Like, you know, she's not like writing fan fiction, but that's okay. <laughs> All the other stuff is, I think, is on is pretty on point. Yeah, and I mean, it's only thirty to forty minute episodes, so you ha- something has to give because they still want to give representation to her faith. They still want to give representation to her family. And there are yeah. some things that they did change, I think for the better. I, I mean, we're going full spoilers with this. Cause uh, I mean, you can't really talk about a whole lot of this without diving into spoilers. Um, like her entire family now knows that she is a superhero. And yeah. I think that's something that is kind of missing in the comics because I believe in the comics, only her mom knows, but she also lives with her brother, her sister-in-law and all that sort of stuff. Uh, obviously, her dad. it's it's weird because comics are weird. <laughs> there was a period of time where they both her parents knew. And then because of comic book shenanigans, they forgot. <laughs> so currently she has a no, nobody <laughs> knows. But there was a period where oh, her parents are just aware of it. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's 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 interesting that they are so quickly like pulling off that bandaid where effect, effectively in terms of like the main cast, just sort of like um negating the secret identity not if not for the, the larger world then you know for all the characters that we care about we do get a, a relatively accurate origin story in episode one where kamala sneaks out of the house but instead of going to a party where she gets semi-drunk from like one sip of beer which does also get homage later uh she goes to avengers con and she uh has a captain marvel cosplay that it activates her superpowers when she gets this bangle that was handed down through her family and uh she saves zoe which again from the comics except zoe in the comics falls into the river which i mean that probably gave her mutant powers anyway (laughs) Um, and then we get the the superhero origin stuff play out through the next couple of episodes but um the what did you think of the the change in the power origin where it's tied to the bracelet, which like you alluded to, like maybe could be a mega band kind of thing. It's interesting because I know that there was a lot of, um, if not consternation, then certainly discourse around like, Oh, she doesn't have her stretchy powers. And I, I get people being frustrated with that. I think like um, the creator G Willow Wilson has gone on record of being about, this is a sort of about a metaphor for like just teenagers feeling like weird in their bodies. And that's like, you know, there's, there's something there. But I also think that, you know, what we give up in that is less than what we, I think we gain in, you know, the sort of connection to family, the sort of likely connection to like the, like Carol Danvers, um, 
making it more visually in line with that character as well. I think it works for this. I don't necessarily want them to like do that in the comics, but, and it's a thing where it it also helps establish the Ms. Marvel name just because like, you know, they have their own explanation for it in the, in the series, why, why she takes that name. But in the comic, it's really just that she is a fan of Captain Marvel and her Captain Marvel's previous name, Ms. Marvel is now an IP that's not being used by Marvel Comics. So it's, you know, <laughs> so it, it helps, I think, line all those characters up in a way that makes sense for them to presumably fly around in space in their big movie next year. Yeah, it, there's definitely a synergy with the way the the powers look and they they definitely make a point of it in the first episode, especially to be like, it's cosmic. These are cosmic yep. things happening with this bracelet. So again, Carol Danvers being one of the more prominent members of Marvel's cosmic side of things, it makes sense. And then we've got Monica Rambo who Monica Rambo who also now has cosmic abilities after the events of WandaVision. So it they they all have their own little unique aspects of a cosmic power now. And then they're gonna go have some cosmic adventures. Yeah, and I think they do sort of try and take pains to you know, she's she's not a stretchy character like anymore in or at least in MCU. But they take her. They're, they're they're taking pains that she is still manifesting those powers in similar ways. You know, comics Ms. Marvel can't do the thing where she throws up a shield or like a platform. But you know, whenever she's punching a guy, she's doing the big stretchy fist thing. It's just that it happens to be made out of like the weird crystal energy or whatever instead of her arm. And then in the last episode, they do the thing where she's basically doing the embiggening thing, where she's got the long legs and the big arms. It's you know, so Which it's not one to watch. Really cool. Yeah, it's yeah, not it, one. It still looked cool. They're trying, they're trying to make it still feel like the kind of thing that character does in the comics, to some degree at least, which is appreciated. And then I, I like that there's still uh, a factor that they added into her powers where she has to at least have the proportionate strength to hold it, because there's a spot in the last episode where she's usually using both embiggened hands to hold up a an army SUV. And it's yeah. not a Humvee, but it, it it's it's a big army car, and uh, she's got both hands, and they're pretty pretty well engulfing the car, and she's still kind of straining with it. So I like yeah. that there are limits to it. Uh, it's not just like oh, she her hands are proportionally the size of a a little RV car, so now it's or an RC car, so now it's a it feels like an RC car to her. Like she still yeah. had to strain to move it. So like the, the powers, I think that they were definitely a, a secondary consideration when it came to telling the story of Kamala. I think if there was one side of this that I really wish they would have done more is in the comics. Again, this is my Thor Love and Thunder review all over again, because like there's so much good stuff in the comics, but you have the benefit of long form storytelling in the comics. Right. But her friends really kind of get the short end of the stick in the story, because, again, what makes Kamala so engaging is her relationship with her friends like the the budding relationship with zoe who is just this like this popular preppy girl who through circumstances in the stories in the comics becomes friends with kamala even though she's always kind of mean to her and then you have uh oh geez i'm forgetting her friend's name from the church is it, it's not is it nakia nakia i believe is the way they say it or it might be nakia uh, but it's definitely you, got, you have the right spelling. I can't remember. Yeah, it, yeah, Nakia. 
um, played by Yasmin Fletcher. Um, Nakia is a huge, huge part of the comic story as well. And they all just kind of get thrown aside. Um, Matt Lynn says Bruno was awesome. This is my biggest sticking point with the show. We have these six episodes and we set up so much with these characters in the first couple episodes. You know, you've got Nakia and her sort of pushing back a little bit about some of the maybe more patriarchal aspects of her community, uh, you know, going for the the position on the mosque board. You've got the thing where Kamala kind of blundering into superheroics in the community is like frustrating Nakia in terms of how it's impacting like the mosque and the, the people in it. You've got, you know, Bruno, who is like the guy who has the unrequited crush, the unrequited crush, and also now has this thing where he's possibly having to go across the country. You've got Zoe, who in the show exists. <laughs> and then halfway through, we do this whole thing where we are going to the, the, the two Karachi episodes where suddenly everything else just goes to the background. Yeah. And those episodes are good. And, you know, it's, it's tying back into the family stuff the generational trauma and you know, the, the partition of India is this big traumatic event for a lot of people in the wet in Western storytelling, or at least American storytelling United States, we don't see a lot of. Um, so I think it's good and important that that stuff is being touched upon, but it's also pulling when you'll, when they only have six episodes, if two of those episodes are doing this thing that is taking away from the things I think are really clicking in the, in that first bit, I think that you start to have a problem because there's always a great example of this where you have, I think in the first two or three episodes, she has maybe three scenes and you get enough that you're like, okay, she's the mean girl, or at least like she's popular enough that she doesn't care about these other characters. Then the last episode she shows up and she's like, by the way, I knew, I knew the whole time. I'm actually really cool. I'm part of the team. I'm part of the, the crew now. And it's like, there's a whole bit of, of character arc there that we could have seen. And then we didn't. That could have been very interesting as well from a storytelling standpoint. And like, yeah. I, I'm I, neither of us are poo pooing on the partition story. Right. Yeah. And I, I want to be, I want to be very careful here because, you know, we're a couple of white guys who grew up in at the very least Christian adjacent culture. Like that is just like, these are things that we don't necessarily have a lot of for ref- reference for. And the people that are writing this story are people who, you know, are of Indian um, descent. Pakistani Muslim, descent, yeah. Pakistani descent. Like, these are people who have connections to these stories, most likely. That So I don't want to make it seem like I am coming out against that, because it's good stuff, but it's it's pulling away from the stuff that I think really clicks in the story and then ends up giving that stuff a lot of short shrift, where it, it's... it's, it's I'm I'm going on long here and I'll let you I'll I'll stop in a second but it's like a show that I I think really could have benefited from being treated like a TV show like an actual mini series. Yeah, instead of instead of like being tr- like all these shows are kind of treated like long movies it feels like. But if you had an ep- a show that was like 10 to 13 episodes that's mostly about Kamala and her friends like doing high school stuff, Teenagers having those stuff. Yeah. yeah, plus on top of the on top of that, you know, she's got to go fight supervillains or whatever. You take two episodes out of that to be like, okay, now we're going to go and do this two-parter. That doesn't feel as, that doesn't feel like it's taking up as much air in the room, but it's when it's a full third of the show. And it means that like 
Bruno is barely a character. <laughs> Nakia's stuff is all feels really rushed. Zoe, like I said, exists. <laughs> you know, I think that becomes, I think that starts to, it's, it starts to be kind of frustrating. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you because again, among other things, the Nakia's storyline just, I, I wanted more of that because she's struggling with the fact that she is a light skinned Muslim Pakistani person. Uh, she's white passing. So like, she doesn't feel like she fully belongs with the mosque community or with the Muslim community, but she also, uh, is it a hijab is the, the name of the, the headdress. I am not um, confident in saying, cause I know there's a couple different kinds. So I'm not confident in saying yes or no. <laughs> Um, okay. But I, so she be... wears she wears a headdressing to cover her hair, and and she like she says she acknowledges that like once she put that on, she really kind of felt more connected to her faith and to the community, and it obviously made her look more the part. And even though that for her like that's not important, it was a message to the community that hey, I am one of you, and she's she has this really interesting arc that I wanted to see more of. But immediately after Amir's wedding, which Amir is another character that I want to get into a little bit here, she just completely disappears. She sees that Kamala has powers. And then by the end of the episode, they're like, oh, hey, by the way, we got to go to Karachi. And we don't see Nakia again until she shows up in in the finale. And she's just like, we're cool. It's fine. Let's let's do this because I, I see you as Kamala. I don't see you as the superhero. Conflict resolved. Yeah, but there's, Amir, there's a, his. I was just gonna say about Nakia before you go on to Amir. You can you can imagine a story where her thing is like through the course of the season, whether it's just six episodes or longer, she is like there is a bit of a thing where you know we're dealing with Kamala feeling like she can't tell her friend because her friend has been so vocal about almost anti superhero thing. Yeah, and then when she finds out, how, you know, getting how she feels about it, how Kamala feels about how she feels about it. And then finally the, the resolution. But a lot of that stuff feels like all that stuff when it should be happening is when we are doing the Karachi stuff anyway. Yeah. And then there uh, to, to kind of stay on Nakia for one second, uh, there, there's a joke in the finale as well, where uh, she acknowledges this guy as her boyfriend. And I don't even know if we've met that character before. Like he's hi- <clears throat> excuse me, he's hiding in a closet. And she's like, it's my boyfriend. And my mom would be really upset if I had a boyfriend, let alone this guy as my boyfriend. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I I really don't remember who that guy was at all. I don't think he, I don't recall if he shows up in the first couple episodes, but my, my take on that was the whole, was just her throwing the feds off the scent as opposed to like an actual thing, right? Where she's just like. I felt like it was supposed to be a payoff to something too, which must have been cut at some point because I do not remember anything with Nakia being like, Oh, and I've got this guy sniffing around me wanting to be my boyfriend. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing that is set up earlier in the, in the season with something that was cut. I don't know, but I, I, I read that as just like, just what it's presented as personally. If there wasn't the follow-up line of the guy being like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell everyone that you said sure. that like, like, okay. Like, why are you going to be a creep about this? If you're just being a patsy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I did want to talk about Amir and then I do want to talk about Kamala's parents as well, but, uh, Amir in the comics, again, he has a really good storyline where he wants to marry, uh, a convert, uh, who is also like a black American, uh, a a Muslim convert who is also a black American 
So like culturally there, there's some like stigma about these sort of things. And Amir, he's in love and he, he wants to do the right thing and marry the woman he loves. And in the comics, it's a, a thing that, uh, they do, they handle really well. Whereas this, it's just like, Hey, Amir, he's getting married and it's not a big deal. Let's move on. Like the wedding yeah. is going to be a set set point for an action scene, but that's kind of it. Yeah. And I wonder too, like, that's another thing that I considered when I was watching the show, but that's a good point. And it's a thing that I wonder if we had more time with this set of, this set of characters. And I think the, the Jersey city stuff is the stuff that really clicks with this first season. And that's the stuff that I want the most of. Maybe there's more time to do that. And that's, again, where, you know, a thing I keep thinking, and I, I mentioned before, is, like, I'm imagining the version of this show where it's less long movie and more TV show. Like, yeah, there's maybe, like, a, a minor supervillain they fight every two or three episodes, but the focus is on these relationships and their conflicts and their how they relate to each other as opposed to just we've got the big we're doing the big origin and we're sort of doing an end of the world thing, but sort of not, which is another thing that's weird. It's tough to talk too much about my feelings because it, it, it feels like I'm coming off really negative and I can't stress that I really, I, I really like this show, but it's like to, to go on, to go on the, the thing where these all feel like they're conceived as movies. The Karachi stuff feels like a really great sequel hook. Like if we were going to do, Ms. Marvel 2 or like a season two that's six episodes. I can imagine a thing where it's like, okay, this is the road, this is the the summer abroad thing where she's going to visit her family. And for most of those episodes, or that whole second movie or whatever, that's all the Karachi stuff and her learning about her past and hanging out with this cute, cute superhero that she may or may not have a crush on. It's so it, it's it just feels like both of those sides of those stories needed more room to breathe and they didn't get it and that is like, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. It seems like they've pigeonholed themselves into this six episode narrative. I think was WandaVision eight episodes, but that's because they, they kind of padded out the first two. Well, it was eight or it was eight or nine, but they were like half hour episodes. So I think, I think they, I think they're going for like a runtime more than, you know, number of episodes. Cause so, and I I think just to kind of eloquate kind of what you're saying is we're not saying anything from this show really needs to be cut. It needs to be expanded upon. So like making this an eight to 10 episode series instead of a long movie, multi-part movie is the solution to this because there's a lot of good stuff in here that just, again, doesn't feel fully fleshed out because they're just like, this was a movie. These are most of the scenes from that movie. Let's just tell this story. I like, I, I keep saying this. I suspect most of these shows, if they weren't originally pitched and conceived of as like two and a half hour to three hour movies, it feels like the, the sort of thing that Disney is looking for is come up with a movie concept and we'll expand on it. So you, you get this thing where a lot of these shows, we talked about this a bit with Moon Knight. Um, but I think for the most part, most of these shows uh, there are, there are points where in which it's like you're either kind of spinning your wheels or you're kind of rushing something because you threw in something late in the game or whatever. And it's just like, it's, it's, I like most of these shows so far, but it's, it's hard not to feel that almost all of them are are uneven. And the only thing I can think of is 
it feels like you're just like trying to do long movies instead of TV, but you're doing TV. So maybe you should embrace that a little more than you have been, you know? Yeah. I feel like there, there has to be a stigma to what Disney is thinking or Marvel is thinking with, Oh, it's TV. We can't put that much money into TV, but it's, it's still Marvel TV. And like, if you have to do an episode where you have minimal CGI for budgetary reasons, that's fine. Again, do an episode where Kamala and her friends are just playing World of Warcraft and then she has to like sneak over to the Circle Q to help Bruno with a math problem or something. Who knows? But yeah. it there there's things that you can do to advance these storylines that you've set up instead of just, you know, waving your hand at them and being like, uh, it's it's fine. She, Kamala's been away for two or three weeks and everyone's had time to process and everything's cool. Well, that's weird, like, right? Again, the Guys, go ahead. Uh, the the Nakia thing that could have been a phone call too, where she tries calling her two or three times. Nakia doesn't answer, and then on the 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 last try, Nakia answers, and we even just allude to the conversation. But Marvel doesn't seem interested in having these conversations. Yeah, or even if we checked in on those characters in those episodes, where like you know, part of the problem is that they took two episodes out of six where these characters just are not in in it, and they are characters who we've set up arcs for who are like our main characters and they're just not around, you know? So let's, let's round out Kamala's family here and talk a little bit about her parents. Um, and then I, I do want to talk about Bruno. We shouldn't talk about Bruno, but we will. <laughs> and, and Kanto reference for those that didn't get it. I'm noticing a lot of Brunos ever since we don't talk about Bruno hit number one. Uh, it's really strange. So we have, uh, Mohan Kapoor as Yusuf and, uh, Zenobia Shroff, uh, sorry, I'm butchering these names as Muniba, uh, as Kamala's parents. And both of them just do so, so well in these roles. Um, you have Muniba as the, ver- the overprotective mother. She, she has seen her family and her, uh, maternal relationships throughout generations kind of deteriorate. And she doesn't want that with her and Kamala. So she's holding on too tight, which means Kamala's kind of, pulling away harder because she's she doesn't fully appreciate what her mom is trying to do. But at the same time, she also it should be able to live her life as she wants. And you have Yusuf as the the goofy dad, which is a little bit of a departure from the comics. But I think it's a welcome departure because I, I do think you need that. Uh, you have that almost stereotype of immigrant families where you have the one parent who just like fully embraces the U S culture. And it's like, yeah, go Yankees and Bruce Springsteen and, you know, uh, CSI Miami. Let's do all this stuff, hamburgers and tacos and all that great, uh, Taco Bell and American <laughs> products, you know? Uh, so like, I, I've, I like that change in him where he's not quite as strict as he is in the comics. He's a little more goofy and he's, trying to be accepting of Kamala as who she is, but also trying to be like, Hey, you know, we're Muslim, we're immigrants. There is family history that we also need to discuss, or we need to remember and honor. Well, and that's the thing is like, you know, the Kamala's mom is, is great. Like you say, and she gets a lot of, a lot of stuff because she is like the one character who is there in, in the Karachi stuff as well. So it's, it, the the angle where we're discussing and we're we're focusing it on the family history and her relationship with her mother and their their grandmother is 
it's all great stuff. And her dad is also incredible, but that's another thing where I'm like, I wish we had more of him. Like he doesn't have a specific necessarily arc, like the, like, like the friend circle does, but it's another thing where, you know, we get to the finale and he shows up and it's like, Oh, like that guy was also gone for two weeks. And, you know, I wish that he was around for some of these, some of this, these stories. I, I think he's just kind of there for emotional support in this, but I mean, he does also, he should also have a family history. So it's really interesting that they kind of sideswipe his stuff for the Muniba's side of the family story, because yeah. obviously that's more important to the plot and the conflict. But overall, I, I do think that they did some really great stuff. And uh, there's, I think it's the end of episode three where Kamala's mom, before they go to Karachi, she has that moment in the bathroom with, Kamala after uh, I forget exactly what happens, but like Kamala is just kind of hiding in the bathroom being sad. And her mom just kind of tells her like, I, I, we came to this country to give you a better life, but that doesn't, that better life does not mean you forget about where we came from. And then, uh, and she just was talking about how she learning English and all that sort of stuff was just the hardest thing she ever had to do. And like that clearly came from a place from the writers where, uh, like they, that, that's something their parents told them. And it, it's, it's such a cool thing to see again, as two white men who grew up in, uh, like Christian adjacent cultures, uh, or areas, neighborhoods, whatever. It's just, it's something we don't hear a lot of, even though we have, uh, experience with people whose parents immigrated from like Mexico and other places. Um, so there, there's that, uh, first generation, American U.S. citizen stuff that uh, we yeah. are familiar with, but it, it, coming from Mexico is not the same as coming from a family that was torn apart during the partition. And yeah. uh, it's it's always I, I love hearing those kind of things and seeing those kind of things because uh, it, especially in the Midwest, you don't get that kind of history in your history class. It's usually the Revolution, Civil War, World War Two, and maybe civil rights if you have time. Well, it's a thing too, where like, you know, we have, we have, we've known people who have been in those similar situations, like you say, similar ish situations, but even like knowing that intellectually hearing that from a friend is not the same as like, it's still not the same as like living it, watching this on a show, but it's different when like, this is a story where we're trying to like use these characters to relate this experience to you in a way that resonates. So I think, you know, there, I think we can sort of intellectualize that experiences from our own experiences with with people who have undergone similar things but it is a bit different when it's like we're telling you how this impacts us as opposed to just telling you a thing that happened to us um so i think there was a there's yeah there i'm I'm basically agreeing with you but you know just kind of (laughs) yeah it gets contextualized through the storytelling of like oh man this is crazy um so let's 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 talk about the conflict here and then we'll, we'll kind of start wrapping up. Um, I know you got to get going. Uh, so the main conflict is that apparently Kamala's great grandmother is what is called a clandestine, a clandestine clandestine. Um, she is from another dimension and somehow she and a group of other clandestines ended up in our reality and they're trying to get home, but apparently their home is also like deteriorating. So they want to pierce the veil between the realities to bring their reality into ours that will somehow stop their reality from deteriorating, but it also will kind of wipe out our reality and the people in it, I guess. I don't know. 
the conflict is or the the main conflict is kind of vague in that sense. It's a little weird because it's another thing where there's some interesting pieces there. Like, I'm, I apologize, I, I do not recall the name of the the primary actor of the who's the main character. I don't recall the, the name of the actor or the name of the character. Uh, um, you're talking about Najma, the the leader of the clandestines. Yes, yes, yes. yes okay, yeah, you. played played by Nimra Busha, Busha, uh, but yeah, she plays Najma. Who is a great yes. actor who you've almost seen in something, almost certainly seen in something besides this. It's another thing where it feels like it's getting a short shrift to a certain degree because we meet her, we we, we basically meet her in episode three for all intents and purposes. And we have the thing where she's she goes to Kamala and she's like, here's our deal. We need help. We think you can help us. Will you help us? Like, she's got the thing where she's she's trying to befriend Kamala and it's that same episode it's like i think it's i think it's literally her next scene where her son Kamran, is like hey kamala thinks it might take some time or whatever and she's like it's time to kill her <laughs> it's like yeah yeah it's know, a really quick like, turn yeah where if we had more time either by not doing the karachi stuff this season or by having more episodes, maybe you get more time where you're like, you're having this relationship where we all kind of know that she's going to end up being the villain. And, but you know, there's still some sort of cat and mouse where she's trying to get Kamala's help and she doesn't turn immediately. It just feels like it's such a, it feels so rushed. And I think it's just because you're like, Oh, we have to get to the fight scene in episode three. And these guys have her and her nameless, people need to be ready to kill yeah. her by the end of the three. And then, you know, you get her in the Karachi stuff and then they, they kill her off in the second to last episode, which is, I get why they do that because the focus of the last episode is about her son, but it's still like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And it, it's really unclear as to like what happened too, because we, yeah. Kamala says we can close or you, we can close the portal. We got to figure out how to close. It. And she's like, I know how to do it. And then she like blasts energy into Kamran. Yeah. And it's like, how and why? Well, and the thing too, with the, uh, the, I think a problem that a lot of these shows also have is the stakes are too high. And mm-hmm. I think we get a little bit of that when um, the leader of the red daggers, whose name also escapes me is like, Oh, by the way, this will destroy the world. It's like, we did not need that at all. It has no bearing on anything. <laughs> we have to, it feels like you, you felt compelled to throw on this thing where, oh, if they succeed, the world will be destroyed. So you have to stop it. But yeah, it's, it's a thing where I just think those guys need more time. If they're going to be your main villains and you know, you could argue whether or not they are or damage control is or whatever else, but I feel like they needed more time to breathe and develop as opposed to just immediately turning out of time basically. And that was the thing that even in that third episode, before we got to the Karachi stuff, which sort of gave me my conflicted feelings, I was like, Oh, that was way too quick. (laughs) It's, and it's interesting just because like the places where they sort of compress and the places where they decompress, like I, one of the, one of the minor frustrations I have about this show is (laughs) I want her in the costume way earlier than she is, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yes i guess wait till the last episode for that but our villain is you know doing a speed run of how fast can i murder the vil- the hero <laughs> yeah again having a, a pre-existing knowledge of the comics it can be a benefit but it's also 
uh, a detriment at times because again we get the red daggers which spoilers for the comics red dagger has a heel turn where he ends up being a bad guy and turning on kamala but he's also not directly in pakistan as well he's just some rich kid that shows up and he's trying to manipulate kamala but i do think that had they stayed in jersey city at least for this season if they weren't if they aren't planning on doing multiple seasons of this i think keeping the stakes smaller because that first arc where Kamala is learning how to use her powers and learning how to be a superhero in the comics is literally just a kidnapping story. Kids yeah. in Jersey city are going missing and she has to figure out how and why. And am like I, that, that's remembering where that is the guy who is like a walking cockatrice robot chicken. <laughs> robot yes. chicken. Yeah. I, yeah. I will say you should have done that. I understand yes. why they wouldn't do that, but I'm like here, like, give me the robot chicken. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree 100%. That, that's what I was hoping for with, with this is I, I really wanted that sort of thing. But it, again, if you're adapting the comics directly, she she also has to learn how to shrink so she can like be a little more infiltrate-y. Uh, but that's yeah, not something they did. That. And I think there's yeah, a way easy, to tell that small story with the family stuff, right? Like I think... Again, I'm harping on this a lot, but it's like my main, my main criticism of the show where like, I think you could do a thing where it is that smaller stakes story. Maybe it's the kidnapping thing. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it even still ends with damage control at the school or whatever in some way or some, some way. I think she should be in the suit by episode three, but whatever. <laughs> I think you can do that and still kind of get the family stuff as, as she's exploring why she has these powers. Maybe you just wait to do the whole thing where we're doing the lore dump until the next season. If we're doing six episode seasons. And again, if the plan is to have a season two as well, maybe maybe that's part of it too. Maybe they're just trying to do it because they don't, they aren't sure if, and when they'll get one, because right now it's like, you know, this character is definitely not going to show up again until next year. And that's the next thing they have to deal with. Right. Where Mm -hmm. maybe they'll get a second season, but they don't know where that movie will leave her or, I, there's all kinds of reasons I can I can see behind the scenes why they might be like okay we want to get everything we want to get in here in this season to be sure we're not going to like leave anything hanging that we might not be able to get to later. But I guess in like an ideal world, I I imagine like the first season is fully all the stuff we've been talking about, and then a second season that's the Karachi adventure where maybe like if not fully maybe three or four of the episodes are the ones where we're just like this is our focus for this season as opposed to trying to mm-hmm. split your time and not giving really the best giving kind of got and kind of a short shift to all of it to a certain degree. Speaking of the suit, I, I love the suit. I love the fact that her mom gave her the suit. And I love the fact that the suit is like part of her name, which creates the lightning bolt. If you like laid it down so that right. it's actually looking like writing. I like, I like a lot of those little touches. Cause I was, I was certain Bruno was going to do it. I, I was, I was pretty sure that once I got back from Karachi, she'd be like, Hey, look at this outfit that I got from the red daggers. And, wouldn't yeah. that be cool if this is my superhero suit? And then Bruno like Bruno would be like, oh, I can work with that. And then he he does it. I, I like the fact that they worked around the lightning bolt. Aside from weirdly looking at your genetics all the time, I also am a great seamstress. <laughs> yes. Seamster. Yeah. He he upgraded his uh skills from the the Avenger Con uh cosplay. <laughs> Sorry, I was talking over you there, there for a minute. If you wanna I didn't quite get what catch what you were saying. Yeah, I, I just again, I, I love the fact that her mom is the one that gave it to her. And I love the fact that there there's meaning behind the lightning bolt and they figured out a workaround since there's no Ms. Marvel costume to kind yeah. of draw inspiration from. 
so like I, I love all of that and the, the suit looks great. Um, again, it, it just the Marvel thing where they don't really care about secret identities or keeping the mask on for whatever reason. Like even in this case, it's a domino mask for all intents and purposes. And she's still just like lifting it up so I can yeah. have a conversation with you. Like, how is this impeding your conversation skills? Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's, that's another Marvel thing with these, you know, it's so weird where, I, I don't know, and we've talked about this a little bit with the Moon Knight thing, where so much of this stuff is focused on being the origin story and waiting until the end to be like, ah, she's finally here. Where like, you know, I don't want to wait till the last episode to see her <laughs> doing superhero stuff in her superhero costume, you know? Like, I mean, you do that a little bit with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, even though that was sort of the point of that show. You know, you make us wait till the very end to see him in, as Captain America. And it's a thing where I just... I mean, imagine, like, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. <laughs> but if <laughs> Spider-Man isn't... You don't see him as Spider-Man until you go to the bridge, right? Or, like... He's wearing see- the ski mask and the sweater the entire movie. Yeah. You know, and it's not the end of the world. It's not the biggest thing in the world. But I... It's a thing where, again, imagine this as, like, a, a more traditional TV show you do the basically the origin in the first couple episodes. And then by the middle of the season at the latest, she's running around in her superhero costume probably. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily think too much about what this show is not, but sometimes I imagine like, Oh, the ways you could have made all this work in the best way possible in my thinking. And I'm like, uh, why isn't she in her costume? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of what I had an issue with uh, with Thor Love and Thunder as well. I don't know if you've seen it at this point, so I won't go too deep into it. But yeah, Thor Love and Thunder to me was just a lot of half thought out ideas that they never decided to go back to or just completely cut for whatever reason. Uh, But that's all I'll say for you since you haven't seen it. But let's let's talk about damage control and the the final conflict here and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Damage control again, like it just, just make it. What what the hell is going on with the accords, among other things? Like that's that's my thing that I'm getting hung up on with all of these shows and movies right now, is the accords seem to only matter when they decide it matters. Uh, damage control seems to be taking the place of shield, but they're doing it poorly, which it kind of is the point. Like only Nick Fury can make shield work the way shield worked, but damage control just. It was a means to an end. And also we didn't really talk about Kamran. He got essentially the same powers as Kamala, which ended up being like a mini same versus same thing that Marvel loves to do. Uh, but he's also okay. just trying to get away. I do appreciate that. They don't, they don't really make them fight. Like there's a couple things where they're in conflict and there, there's some powers versus powers, but the last episode I appreciate is about them helping him as opposed to he has like gone mad with power or he's trying to destroy something we have to stop him so i think i think you're right but i think they do it in a way you know all my other concern consideration concerns about the season aside i think that's a the way they ended is a really nice thing where it's this group of friends who's coming out to help their other friend which i think is kind of cool yeah they they definitely pulled it off because i was waiting for that heel turn that full heel turn where he was like oh you didn't tell me that my mom died time to fight yeah and you just get that moment to a certain degree, but then it's like, it's really, it's really quick. They don't, they don't spend too much time on it as opposed to them, like blasting each other in the middle of like the mosque or something where they're both giant laser monsters punching each other or something. (laughs) So damage control, we they're teased at the end of the first episode. They see the video of Kamala saving Zoe and they see the powers and like, Oh, well clearly that's a, 
brown-skinned Muslim girl, so let's go start terrorizing this mosque in Jersey City. And uh, they they kind of fade to the background, as is tradition with this show. Like, the, the storylines they set up just don't go anywhere until they need it to for the finale. And uh, we get the agent, um, Agent Deaver, played by Alicia Reiner, uh, who just, she goes... A wall and just decides like, yeah, let's attack this high school and these high schoolers and uh, in front of everyone and we'll, everything will turn out just great. She gets fired, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the finale just felt really contrived to me where the, the conflict was to get Kamran out and into, into uh, Pakistan with the red daggers so that he can kind of learn to control these newly found powers and uh, one of the agents from De- Department of Damage Control (DODC), they like they're completely terrorizing Jersey City, which I, I think that's kind of out of the comics. I feel like I have a vague memory of like drones and stuff controlling the city for a while, and uh, it's not There's damage a- control, but it- yeah. if I remember right, that might be around the time of Civil War II, where that was like the whole a whole big thing in Marvel comics. There might be a thing, another story there too, but yeah, there's there's some stuff that's not damage control, but there's there's certainly a time where it's surveillance and stuff. And they're taking that out of the comics, but again, without without Kamala there to protect the city, it, it feels really out of place. And again, like Department of Damage Control, again, is supposed to be shield or like a shield replacement that Tony Stark implemented. So obviously they have to be villains because um, Tony Stark can't create anything without it becoming a villain unless it's his own suit. And it's a thing where, uh, like, it, sorry, go ahead, keep going. Uh, I was going to say, it, it just, again, all this stuff feels like it should be related to the Accords. Like, oh, there is an enhanced person who we need to bring in, register, and train or do something with them because that's what the Accords are supposed to do, apparently. And nothing ever, like, no one ever mentions the Accords unless they're General Ross. And it's just like... I'm unclear at this point in the in the MCU whether or not those are supposed to be still in effect or if anyone cares about them. Cause like part of it for me is like, you know, in civil war in the comics, they signed the, they weren't the accords. They were, it was the superhuman registration act. And then that's the big thing for the next couple of years. And then when all the heroes come back together to defeat, I think it was Norman Osborn. Then one of the big things is like, Oh, by the way, we overturned that. Don't worry about it anymore. It's, it's done. Yeah. I don't think we've ever gotten that, that reference in this, but that's sort of, I feel like that's sort of what they're operating under is that, Oh, after end game, Everyone's like, who cares? <laughs> you know, anyway, <laughs> it makes a certain amount of sense where you have this who was clearly a young person, you know, who knows what they're doing with their powers. When you when you first hear about them, there's this big event where yeah. it's very clear there's a young person that may or may not have been causing mayhem at the at, at Avengers Con. I see that that makes perfect sense to me as an inciting incident for them to get involved in the story. And then it turns to, oh, this is this is a Muslim girl or a brown girl at least. And then it sort of jacks up into the more explicitly villainous uh, stuff with them sort of trampling on people's rights and like over surveilling this specific community. But again, like you say, because, because we take two episodes away from all that stuff, it doesn't feel like it gets the attention it deserves where I feel like in this alternate version of the show that we've been talking about, you can imagine maybe the main focus of the season for most of it is that kidnapping story or her learning to use your powers or both where damage control is like the sort of looming threat in the background where 
they all it all comes to a head at the end. But as it is, it's sort of like they're there to sort of be like a side heavy who gets involved, but then also they become the big bad at the end. But we all I don't know. It's it's all it's like it's all very a little disjointed, like we've been talking about. It feels like they should be explicitly the main threat of the season because yeah. it also ties into all this stuff we've been talking about, with, like with Nakia and her concerns about the community, like the just the community stuff at the mosque and like talking about the way the U.S. government has and does over surveil these, these people for no good reason whatsoever. And we get some of that in the first half and then it kind of pulls back until we co- sort of bring it back at the end. And it, it's all, it's good. It doesn't totally hang together the way I would have liked. It, it feels a little bit like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier where they're like, we we're trying to show you this thing, but we're not going to go all the way because it might upset certain part of the demographic that we're trying to appeal to with just general audiences. And there's a couple, you could see that a couple times in the episode itself where like the damage control guys are running through the school and they make a point to have Kamala say, those aren't really cops. And then you make a point mm-hmm. where like, the, whole, the whole community is, is circling around Kamala to be like, stop. And they make a point to show you the cops are the, the ones cops who are turn around and like they form a line to. Yeah. Even though like the, the, you know, traditionally in the real world, those are the people who are undergoing this surveillance, you know? So it's like, I'm not expecting a Marvel show to say a cab, but you yeah. know, <laughs> thing where, okay, we're trying not, we're trying to toe the line a little bit where, you know, the people who would, who would not traditionally be against this, or at least this would be their job are the ones who are like, we're making a point to say it's not them. So, you know, I'm not going to complain too much about that. Cause like I said, I'm, you know, I don't expect that, that kind of thing from Disney or Marvel, but it is, it is an interesting thing that they, they go out of their way to be like, by the way, it's not those guys. Yeah. It's I the had the same thought too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I immediately was like, these are not the Uvalde cops. Uh, <laughs> yep, <laughs> they do kind of stand around and do nothing. So, <laughs> yeah. Then the, uh, just really quick before we start wrapping up here, um, there there was one spot where they're like use non lethal rounds when they're invading the school, and uh, there's one they use like weird like stun blasters or something yeah, from Star Wars. I don't I don't really know, uh, but like there's one shot where we see them constantly like, Oh, it, 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 one of these shots hit a bike and it just knocked the bike down. And there's another shot where we see them like, Oh, it just pushed them a little bit. And then there's another shot where Kamala and Kamran are like turning a corner and the shot hits a corner of what is traditionally like concrete blocks in a a school. And it just completely blows a chunk out of the side of the wall. I'm like, Whoa, someone escalated or switched their gun from stun to kill. Yeah. That guy has set his phasers wrong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we'll wrap it up there um well oh go ahead there's a couple things that people are talking about with this that we haven't quite gotten to maybe this is something you want to talk about in the wrap-up but like there's a couple things at the end of the last episode that first there's the the captain the carol danvers captain marvel cameo clearly setting up the movie oh yeah we should definitely talk post credits but yeah go ahead I was wondering where you landed on that. Oh, it's, I don't think it's a body swap or a morphing kind of thing because 
uh, among other things, they completely skip the trope where she looks in a mirror and she's like, what the fuck? Like if she had looked into a mirror and been like, um, excuse me, like then, yeah. Okay. She, she's either discovered a morphing power or she's body swapped with Carol Danvers. So it's clearly, they have literally just traded places. They're yeah. like Kamala's now wherever Carol was. And Carol's now in Kamala's home in Jersey city. Well, that's the thing where like throughout the season, if you're sort of comics savvy, I guess, if you have some familiarity with OG Captain Marvel before, you know, before Carol Danvers, Mar- the character's literally named Marvel. you know, one of his things is he's got these, his powers come from the Negabands, which are like these sort of bracelets that he wears on his wrists that they're sort of adapting into this bangle. One of the things that they do there is his quote unquote secret identity is Rick Jones, who is like he clangs the things together when he needs to, when he needs Captain Marvel and then they just switch places. So like, Oh, here's the villain clanging the things together wherever Captain Marvel was. Now he's here and I'm where he was. So that seems like a very neat um, way to tie that all in together because at this point they're never going to go back and do, well, they, they did do Marvel in the Captain Marvel movie in a very different way, but they're never going to go back mm-hmm. and have the original Captain Marvel stuff because we're doing the Carol Danvers in the MCU. Now. Carol Danvers is the original Captain Marvel. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm intrigued, and it's like it's like the cameo that I was expecting the most because it's like obvious. Yeah, but I think one of the things I noticed was like she just looks. She's got a cool look now. She's got like her cool like side side cut, and she's got like the sort of she's got like three quarter sleeve jacket kind of thing going. Yeah, like, biker gloves. Cool. I was like, damn, you look cool, girl. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a uh, Brie Larson stan account, by the way. We I, I love Brie Larson. She's yeah, absolutely she's amazing. Yeah, but we Kevin did. Rowan we also Hader. did not talk about. We also did not talk about. Uh, they never officially name her Ms. Marvel, but you she clearly has uh, been given the light bulb for what she's going to call herself because uh, Kamala or er, Kamal in Urdu means Marvel, and obviously because she's feminine, Kamala. Uh, but she realizes that like, oh, my God, my name literally is Marvel and I can I love Ms. Captain Marvel. I'm going to be Ms. Marvel. And uh, her her dad literally calls her Ms. Marvel. They do say Ms. Marvel, but it's, it's it, speaking of Brie Larson and Captain Marvel, you know, that movie sort of infamously <laughs> never says the words Captain Marvel out loud. <laughs> so it was another thing where I'm like, just give her the name. <laughs> just, yeah. Hey, I'm Ms. Marvel, you know. That's true. I never really thought about that. Um, so it is sort of like in uh, in line with that movie, even though it's like her dad still, he technically says it, but he's not like, Hey, you're Ms. Marvel. But she, she's obviously going to take it. Uh, so with that, we will start wrapping up. Uh, we do have to give our ratings as is tradition. Um, we have must see or pass. Uh, for me, it is a must see if for no other reason, again, like, getting that that the Karachi story as much as we've kind of poo-pooed on it uh and we're not saying it needs to get cut we're saying expand the season so that we can get more time with these characters and stories that you've set up that you've just also kind of uh yeah. decided to resolve off camera um but uh overall it is a must-see for me yeah I would, I would agree with that i think it's i think you know by those ratings it's a must-see i think it is among the best of the marvel show so far um mm-hmm. Like I said, Iman Vellani is a treasure. Protect her at all costs. She's great. Anyone who follows <laughs> Kevin Feige by text is good by me. Have you heard that story, by the way? No, I have not. What's going on? So so there's a whole thing where in Doctor Strange 2, there's a bit where 
um, at some point, someone is like, oh, we've designated your Earth, the MCU Earth, as 616, which is traditionally, it's a reference to, that's like the designation the comics, yeah. for comics. And Iman Vellani, who is apparently in real life this Marvel superfan, apparently texts Kevin Feige and is like, that's wrong. That is not correct. You need to fix that. So I'm like, anyone who who's going to bully Kevin Feige <laughs> over this minutia is good by me. <laughs> anyway. I would say it's worth it's worth checking out. You know, I've got like I've said, I've got some concerns, but it's it's not about disliking the stuff that I think doesn't totally click. It's mostly about, like you say, maybe expanding it so it all kind of has room to breathe, or finding a way to, you know, whether that's a second season or whatever. Like finding, I wish they could have found a way to tell those stories in a way that doesn't feel like it's giving either one short shrift. I don't think they quite do that, but overall, like, I think it's really great, and I think. It, like I said, it's among the best of best of these shows so far. Yeah, we didn't really get a chance to talk about Matt Lentz's Bruno, but um, I mean, he doesn't he he's basically the guy in the chair for Kamala. Um, but I did confuse him for Tom Holland a few times with the way they, yeah. they styled his hair and the way he acted sometimes It's like you would make a really good Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah, that, yeah, that's all I really go into. A weird teen with an apartment. <laughs> teen has an apartment, apparently living above a, a convenience store, but that he works at as well. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. It is a, a double must see from me and Matt. And uh, I know a lot of people have really enjoyed it as well. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad I watched it when I did, because literally like within 30 minutes of finishing the episode, I saw all the Carol Danvers stuff and all the conversations about her name on, on Twitter. So like, thank you, Twitter algorithm for at least keeping it away from me till I watched it. <laughs> I watched it. I wouldn't normally have done this if we weren't recording, but I watched it first thing in the morning yesterday. So I'm sure that's the only reason I dodged any of that stuff. So we'll, we'll wrap up there. Um, you can, we didn't get any reviews or anything, but whenever we have a review episode, I'm going to start trying to put out tweets. Uh, of, if you want to share your thoughts, opinions, concerns about certain things, um, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, talking smack pod. You can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore scar. Excuse me. Scar is spelled S-K-A-A-R. Uh, you can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, most other podcast players. Um, we are looking at moving our hosting service uh, soon, but I'm having issues with that, uh, the, the new hosting service saying that it, some files are not transferable. So trying to figure that out. Uh, but other than that, again, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, if you're going to leave a review, Please leave comments. Uh, if it's a five-star review, that's cool. But again, let me know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, I, I I appreciate feedback more than anything. Um, I will link the uh, recent afternoon break that I did with the Fuck My Work Life podcast in the description. And it definitely check them out as well. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time this morning to talk Ms. Marvel with me. Yeah, always happy to. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Take care. Normally, I would say something about Star Trek here, but I need to say one more thing to get to. <laughs> Ms. Marvel is not a mutant. <laughs> Mar that's one, oh, that's another thing I wanted to talk about is Marvel's really co-opting that X-Men 90s theme. Yeah, they're, they're really just like, you like this, right? <laughs> <laughs> this will make you happy. Watch Star Trek. <laughs>